Hey everybody, this is Chris. And Chad. And you know, hey, with all this stuff going on right now, uh, unless you've been living under a rock, you know there's some there's some there's some stuff going down definitely right now. Um, we're a little later than we'd wanted to be getting back on schedule, but you know, as responsible citizens, Chad and I have figured out a way to practice our remote distancing, not remote <laughs> social distancing by recording uh-huh. remotely. So we will be doing that until everything clears up, and you know it will. Yeah, hopefully we'll be able to get the sound <laughs> quality a little bit better. Yeah, we are constantly striving to improve the show. We are. It we're, shows. We're, we apply ourselves with lots of determination. So one of the other things that we're going to do for now is, this is going to be your coronavirus-free you know, get away for 45 minutes to an hour or so every other week. There will be no mention of it on the show. We won't say anything. It'll be us talking about our normal standard bullcrap. Yeah, I think I'm still going to wear a mask, though, because I'm starting to enjoy it. <laughs> really? Uh-huh. Hey, and Chad, like a ninja. As, as a bonus, a ninja. I, I've went through and I've started picking out some of the most off-the-wall cryptids for us to talk about during this time, too. Oh, nice. Yeah. Today will be a doozy. I'm sure. Lots of hard words. So, without further ado, here comes the show. This series presents information based in part on theory and conjecture. The facts that will be presented are true. Scientists, representing the world's foremost research centers, took part in the examination of the evidence. And together, we're a pair of paranormal guys. guys. It's, Kinda. Hard, it's harder when you're not sitting in front of me. That's true. I think there's a little bit of delay, too. I think I, I'm thinking I might try to get a big cardboard cutout made of you to set in the chair across the table. Oh, that's cool. You have it printed up? Yeah. Just a standee? Something like that. I could I could just get a copy of your, uh, of your face and tape it to my... Uh, my Boba Fett standee and just set it over there. That's true. You can set that around and scare Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> much more terrified with a face on it instead of a helmet. Put your headphones on it. It'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah, it works. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, Chad, what's been going on the past couple weeks? Uh, 
been noticing a lot more faults in our ceiling. <laughs> Have you? Yeah. Yeah. That's about it. Had some work. extra time to stare at the ceiling? Yeah. The ceiling and walk around the backyard. Lots of fun. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Same old here. <laughs> Rocking on. Hey, whatever it well, takes, man. Hey, I know. It doesn't bother me. I practiced uh, social distancing a long time ago. So oh. I'm, I'm pretty good with it. There's Chad's first strike. <laughs> I know. You talked about that which must not be named. I know. Voldemort. Exactly. <laughs> so, Chad, without further ado, why don't we go ahead and break into uh, your favorite segment. The, the news. Paro News, news story. story. Oh, well, that was an epic fail. Yeah, Paro News oh. Story. There, there's no echo. I know. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. This will be fun. This is a this is from a Mysterious Universe, and it says that a mysterious creature scares people in India. Could it be the return of the Delhi Monkey Man, Chris? <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> Who knows? Multiple news sources in at least five cities in India are covering reports of a mysterious creature appearing at night on rooftops and in yards. And he's knocking on doors and windows, and then he runs away. He's a cheeky <laughs> monkey. Run away! He's hopping fences and running far faster than anyone chasing him. It's been happening for almost a week, and no one can explain it. A week? Could it be the return of the infamous monkey man of New Delhi? Well, who knows, but most of the reports are similar to this one from NewsD, that's N-E-W-S-D in New Delhi. The mysterious creature has reportedly been seen in the, I don't know, it's a Kikard, I think, Kikarikad, Kikarikad, and uh, <laughs> that made me cough on that one, North Karikad, uh, Villener, and Javaya, and Conganur areas, all in the Thrissur district of the state of <laughs> Kerala, and in the far south southwestern coast of India. Many of the reports have panic somewhere in the text, but there's little supporting evidence, nor are there any better descriptions than a dark creature. While some suspect it's a man or a mentally ill man, reports of it jumping on rooftops, outrunning people, and Sliding down the trunk of a mango tree. Uh-oh. I kind of imagine that looked a lot like Fred Flintstone getting off of work. Uh, <laughs> that has many people suspecting it's more animal in nature. Unfortunately, the reports and fears appear to be luring people out of houses where they're supposed to be writing out the, oh, you didn't tell me this was in here, the coronavirus epidemic. Oh, strike two on Chad. Yep. Is there a connection? Question mark. Uh, if not a troublemaking human, no robberies, vandalism, and other crimes have been reported, what could this creature be? While Indian folklore is filled with strange creatures and deities, few modern cryptids fit this description. The Yeti is more of a northern Indian Himalayan beast, so the next best candidate is the infamous, infamous, <laughs> infamous Monkey Man of New Delhi. Monkey Man. He's a monkey man. The monkey man of New Delhi first appeared in May of 2001 when the city's residents began reporting seeing and sometimes being attacked by a strange monkey-like creature standing about four feet or 1.2 meters for the rest of the world. 
uh, tall, covered in thick black hair with glowing red eyes, and uh-oh, wearing a metal helmet, three buttons on his chest, <laughs> and he was reportedly seen leaping from building to building. He's ready, ready for battle. According to CNN, the exasperated police responded to so many calls that they ran out of police cars. While no one took a photo, a police artist attempted to draw the creature, but the helmet and buttons made it look cartoonish. Unfortunately, <laughs> some people reportedly died from uh, falls after panicking and running from what they thought was the creature. Even worse, the prankster began roaming the streets in oh, pranksters began roaming the streets in masks and <laughs> scaring people. Nice. There was even a report of one poor, poor four foot tall wandering mystic. Um, being beaten. All of this, plus the lack of any physical evidence and the drop in reports after a few days, led experts to categorize this as a case of mass hysteria. Dogs and cats living together among ignorant people living in hot, poor conditions. Despite that, reports say the police put manned posts on rooftops, instituted border checks, and were ordered to shoot the monkey man on sight. Wow. And they wrap it up with, has the New Delhi Monkey Man returned? Has he moved south? Is it a new type of creature or the resurrection of some long-lost one? Is this another case of Indian mass hysteria? Or is this just another case of the millions of wild monkeys roaming around the country wreaking havoc under the protection of religion and government? Who knows? But apparently <laughs> things are getting a little wacky. So, if you are a uh, short wandering mystic in the aforementioned provinces that Chad talked about, hey, be careful. No kidding, you get your ass beat. <laughs> didn't, uh, didn't Hart have a song about the monkey man? <laughs> uh, Ooh, mama, think. he's a monkey man. I think so. Yeah. He's got, he's got magic fingers. That's the way I remembered, at least. Oh, I thought you were going to say barracuda, but that's a fish. Ooh, monkey manna. Exactly. So, Monkey Man wearing a helmet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sounds like a Gorilla Grodd <laughs> showed up. <laughs> That's the best part is he's wearing a helmet and some kind of buttons on his chest. Maybe those are his war medals, and just people just thought they were buttons. They could be. I think that's a smart helmet. That's the one they put on and make him do stuff. Oh, helmet. Yeah. yeah, I can see that. They have to remote in. He's a monkey drone. Because not any normal monkey can slide down a mango tree uh, trunk. Not with the yabba dabba do finesse of Fred Flintstone. <laughs> wow. Well, Chad. Yes. Sir. Not to uh, not to let you one up me. I have a story uh -huh. here with a couple interesting words. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, my story also comes from Mysterious Universe. The Russian, okay. the Russian politician UFO abductee who thinks aliens invented chess. The hell you say? <laughs> Amen, brother. Uh-huh. It has been seen time and time again that UFO encounters and alien abductions seem to happen to people from all walks of life and are far from confined to just weirdos out in the middle of nowhere. On occasion, there have been such reports from very famous people or those in high standing and these are the ones that tend to really resonate and catch people's attention to get them talking. One of these is the chess-playing Russian Federation president who not only claims to have been abducted by aliens, but that they invented the game he loves most. Here we go. Okay. okay. Nursan Nikolaevich Ilyumzinov 
<laughs> Thank you. Is not a name many people will probably be familiar with. Well, no duh. <laughs> but he has. Wait. Yes. I was just going to say it's hard to put on a bumper sticker. It is. It's it cover your entire bumper. That's right. Uh, but he has a rather impressive and colorful career. He burst onto the political scene from the private sector, where he was president of the SAN Corporation in Moscow, to be elected as the first president of the Russian Federation's Republic of Kalmykia, we'll go with that, in 1993, okay. a position in which he would serve until 2010, consistently re-elected unopposed. His stint as president is mostly notable for allegations of corruption, misappropriation of funds, and his wild and unorthodox ideas while in office, such as offering a free mobile phone to every shepherd, paying $100 out to everyone who voted for him, and an almost obsessive-compulsive tendency to build religious buildings, such as a mosque, a synagogue, a Catholic church, 22 Orthodox churches, and 30 Buddhist temples. As well... A brooch, a pterodactyl. <laughs> as well as his assertion that he was able to, f to psychically, subconsciously influence the mind and control people. Once saying, <clears throat> Irrespective of what I tell people, I give them instruction on subconscious level, a code. I do the same thing when communicate with Russian citizens from other regions. I am creating around the Republic a kind of extrasensory field, and it helps us a lot in project. Oh. That was a direct quote. I, I, I got that. It was like he was right there. It was. He was also a completely hopeless chess geek, a lifelong avid chess player. After winning the regional championship as a child, he went on to become a master player, defeating former world chess champion Garry Kasparov to go on to become the head of the International Chess Foundation, which he would remain president of until 2018 and which was every bit as colored by scandal as his presidency. <laughs> you you got to watch when you get scandal in the uh, Chess Foundation. No kidding. <laughs> he has played chess against some of the best, and has also had bizarre matches against an eclectic mix of celebrities and other politicians, such as the former Libyan dictator, Muammar Gaddafi. <laughs> he also, Chad, has been abducted uh -huh. by a UFO and thinks chess was created by aliens from outer space. You know, Chris, in Russia, chess pie eats you. <laughs> wow. Okay. The whole bizarre tale begins in September of 1997, when one evening Ilyumzinov claims he was at home in his flat in Moscow when a UFO swept down, piloted by beings in yellow spacesuits of some sort, and whisked him away. As soon as he was aboard their ship, he says he was provided with a spacesuit similar to theirs in order to help him breathe, and that they spoke to him telepathically. He would describe being in the abduction and being aboard their ship thusly. It was from my apartment. They flew in and picked me up. They were wearing yellow spacesuits. I remember this moment exactly. We went off to their interplanetary ship, and I started to feel a lack of air, a lack of oxygen. They gave me a spacesuit as well. One of the aliens pointed to his chest and indicated that oxygen supply could be regulated by turning a dial. So this is what I did. He said, I am Darth Vader from the planet Vulcan. <laughs> they had a Walkman with them. Uh. 
The ship was absolutely enormous. One of its chambers was the size of a large football pitch. We landed on one of the planets and picked up some piece of equipment. They told me everything in detail. I asked them to take me back to Earth as quickly as possible because in two days, I had to conduct Youth Government Week. And then they brought me back and everything was normal again. A few days later, I was walking along thinking, why did they take me? And I was cursing myself for not asking them any questions. But is it possible that it is still not the time for us to meet these extraterrestrial civilizations? He described... Okay. Yeah, I think the most important thing there is he wasn't worried about them keeping him or throwing him off into space. He was worried about getting back because he had Youth Government Week. I think I heard the same story for some, from uh, some 4-H kids. He's a, he's a man of the people, Chad. He is. He's a man of the people. He describes coming back to find that he had an hour of missing time. Oh, an hour. Jeez, that's pretty good for another planet and uh, equipment pickup. I know, right? Uh, he would soon discover that while he had been gone, members of his staff had been searching his apartment for him, but had found no trace of where he had gone. So how hard is it to search a flat in Moscow? I don't know. It seems like that would be very short work. <laughs> he describes these entities as being very similar to us with the same ways of thinking and same visions for the future. He believes that they were also responsible for many inventions here on Earth. And of course, since this is Ilyumzinov, we are talking here that this includes chess. Yeah, it sounds like they also invented vodka and acid. <laughs> you think? Yep, pretty sure. My theory is that chess comes from space because it's the same rules, 64 squares, black and white, and the same rules in Japan, in China, in Qatar, in Mongolia, in Africa. The rules are the same. Why? I think it maybe is from space. Hmm. So, I mean, just Australian people have their own version of, of uh, Connect 4. <laughs> Do they? Uh it's called four. It's called four across. Now you explain that one to me. Well, then obviously it didn't come from space, Chad. Uh, well, I mean it's the same game, just different name. <laughs> so just because there's a game out there with the same rules everywhere, it had to have come from space. Obviously, I mean because you know what I mean. Chinese checkers that came from space. Poker came from space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Monopoly. Monopoly came from space. Space people probably have the corner of the market on that one. That's right. Clue. Yeah, obviously. Hmm. Dungeons and Dragons. That one. That one definitely. Definitely from space. Because I mean, who else could come up with like a twelve-sided die? I don't know. Aliens. Alien. I'm not going to say it was aliens, but I'm pretty sure it was aliens. Yeah, alien technology. So there's your. Uh, let's see. I'm going to try this one more time and see if anything happens, Chad. Your Pero News Stories. Please. Up. Sorry, I can't make Up. you uh, echo today. <laughs> I know. So, Chad, moving yes, right along. Uh-huh. As I mentioned, we're going to keep it a little bit light and crazy for a while here. Crazy daisy. So, we're going to be talking about my fourth favorite cryptid tonight, Chad. Latest Freed. I would be probably six. Oh, okay. Because we know, I mean, the best cryptid in the world is Mothman. That's what you tell me. And then the Chupacabra. The good Chupacabra. The kangaroo lizard rat. 
the lizard rat monster with yeah. the vampire teeth. Yeah, right? not not the mangy coyote. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, number three would be the Jersey Devil. Yeah, of course. And then coming in right behind him there at number four, Chad, uh-huh. the Mongolian Death Worm. Oh, man. Wait, I feel like that should get something, too. The Mongolian Death Worm. By the who? <laughs> really? Yeah, H-U, not W-H-O. I think they sing that song. So, Chad, I don't know how much you know officially about the Mongolian Death Worm. It'll kill you. But after after this show, you, sir, uh, are going to be one of the most knowledgeable people there can be about the Mongolian Death Worm. Would you say I might be an expert? You would be. And any nice. of any of the Pongite nations, too, can now claim after this show they are a Mongolian Death Worm expert. Even better. Well, by all means, don't delay. <laughs> so, Chad, it seems back in 1926. 1926? <laughs> I thought it was coming, so I paused, but then I wondered because it was like, well, that's 1900, not 1800, but hey. Doesn't, doesn't matter. Okay. Um, American paleontologist Roy Chapman Andrew published On the Trail of Ancient Man. And in that book, he describes a creature from the Gobi Desert known as Olgoy Korkoy, or the Mongolian Death Worm. Mm-hmm. He heard about it from local gatherings of officials around where he was in Mongolia and said none of those present had ever seen it, but they all firmly believed in its existence and described it minutely. One of the people that described him to it was actually the Mongolian Prime Minister Damdinbazar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> His description was, It's shaped like a sausage, about two feet long. It has no head, nor legs, and it is so poisonous that merely to touch it means instant death. Wow. It lives in the most desolate parts of the Gobi Desert. Two feet long and shaped like a sausage can't find it i'm thinking we need to start selling mongolian death dogs at conventions hey you could you know you get some of those pickled like pickled bologna sausages that have the red casing on them uh-huh i think we should do that dress them up a little bit make them look like they've got those uh little pointy teeth like stick out on the end okay what could you make you know, those where, out of uh, hell i don't know pretzel sticks be edible, though. pretzel sticks somebody would, would choke to death <laughs> um, Andrews published another book in 1932 titled The New Conquest of Central Asia adding it is reported to live in the most arid and sandy regions of the western Gobi and despite you know double dipping and putting this in two different books and stuff uh, Chad uh-huh. Mr. Uh, Roy Chapman Andrew didn't believe that the Mongolian death worm actually existed I'm appalled by his ignorance. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so, Chad, if you were out, you know, decided to uh, go out to old outer Mongolia and start looking for a Mongolian death worm, do you know what you'd be looking for? Uh, sounds like sausage. <laughs> sausage in the sand. Flip over a cow patty and there it is. Wasn't that one of, uh, wasn't that one of Tears for Fears big hits in the 80s? Sausage in the sand? No. No, I think it was a Fleetwood Mac song. Oh, okay. Sausage in the sand. 
Anyway. <laughs> the, uh, the old Mongolian deathworm, Chad, lives in the western or southern Gobi Desert. So we, we knew that. It travels underground, creating waves of sand on the surface, which allow it to be detected. Mm-hmm. So he's not stealthy. Mongolians say that it can kill at a distance by either spraying venom at its prey or by means of electric discharge. Okay. Pull some old Emperor Palpatine on you. I know. I'm going to get Kevin Bacon to help me find these things. <laughs> you think? <laughs> I think I think he'd probably be the best person to ask. Probably would be. I mean, he, he's done it. He's saved towns, what, at least five times. I know, at least in a TV show or a TV series and a movie, so why not? <laughs> exactly. Chad, this will tell you when you need to go to Mongolia to find this guy, because uh, it hibernates most of the year, except for June and July when it becomes active. Oh, yeah? Likes yeah. it hot. Just like a predator. Just, uh, just two months out of the year is when he's, he likes to get out. Huh. And it most often comes to the surface when it rains or the ground is wet. So, Gobi Desert, June and July, after it rains. Hmm. Sounds like that's a rare occasion. (laughs) Touching any part of the worm causes tremendous pain and almost certain death. Hmm. You may be wondering, Chad, out in the Gobi Desert, what what would a Mongolian death worm actually live on? You know, I was just thinking that. What what do they live on? Well, Chad, it most frequently preys on camels. (laughs) And it lays its eggs in the camel's intestines. like, oh, I was going to say, like, a whole pack of 20? No wonder it's all worked up. <laughs> it's got that nicotine buzz going. It does. It's all jacked up on Joe Camel. That's how it makes that lightning. <laughs> it has the lips, but it can suck a cigarette down in two seconds. <laughs> you know, Chad, it's venom corrodes metal. Okay. And it has a liking of the color yellow. <laughs> but it has no eyes. Well, hey. Now... You know, I got to thinking when I was making the notes up for this. Is it just me? Uh, or does all this sound like a group of guys got together with, you know, a case of beer and just started making stuff up, and as it went, they just kept adding more to it? Like, wait, wait, wait. It's venom. It corrodes metal. <laughs> I was going to say two five-year-olds. And, oh, wait, wait, wait. And it really likes yellow. Yeah, yeah, it likes yellow. Yeah, because I like yellow. And it shoots lightning out its butt. <laughs> it can fly. <laughs> well, that, now they didn't mention that. I mean, oh, well, if you got that's f- ridiculous. flying Mongolian deathworm, would be. I mean, that would be horrible. Uh-huh. Chad, if you would happen to go out looking for the Mongolian deathworm, uh-huh. I'm just going to let you know what you're up against about some uh, previous investigations that have happened here. All right, let me know because I got to Josh Gates it up. So in 2005, Richard Freeman of the Center for Fortean Zoology went out looking for one. Uh-huh. Came up empty-handed. Mm. In 2006 and 2007, your aforementioned Josh Gates of Destination yeah. Truth found nothing. Didn't even get a pink armadillo out of that one. But I think they probably got a bad rental car and wrecked a motorcycle or something a couple times. Probably. In 2009, New Zealand television reporter David Ferrier of TV3, not a... They're on your side. Not a thing, Chad. Oh. Now, I thought I'd save this one for last just for you, Chad. 
Uh, this, is, this is the best one. If if you were going out looking for a big worm that lives under the sand in a desert, what would you think you would do to try to bring it up and find it? Uh, gosh, I don't know. Well, this will this will jog your memory. <laughs> in 1990, and again in 1992, Ivan Mackerly led groups into the desert to search for the Mongolian death worm. And his big plan, Chad, he constructed a motor-driven rhythmic thumping machine to call out the giant sandworms to look for spice. I mean, wait, no, sorry. Uh, to look for the Mongolian death worm. Uh-huh. Got nothing. <laughs> wow. I think you have to feed them a ghost. Well, I think, I mean, I, I want to believe he's he's real. But I think he might be like pretty smart, and he's just like, dude, I've seen Dune. I know what you're doing. Uh huh. That's right. I've seen everybody snorting, smoking, and their and eyes turn blue. And <laughs> oh man, exactly. Mm-mm-mm. So, so what do you think, Chad? Should we should we be afraid if we ever find ourselves in Mongolia? I mean. Not because of the death worm, but yeah, probably. <laughs> From like dehydration and roving bands of nomads? Probably some really low-grade uh, strip steak. <laughs> Camel steak. Uh-huh. Oh, Mongolian bar and grill joke. Boo. <laughs> Took I me a minute. <laughs> I know. Oh, so yeah, Mongolian death worm. My favorite. You know, I think there's a Mongolian Himalayan restaurant over here on on the road that runs parallel to ours. I think I ought to go over there and ask them about it. You should. They probably have it on the menu. <laughs> it's a two-foot pop sausage. Open a, pop open a freezer, and he's got like a 12-pack case of them. They eat them all the time. Yeah. Delicious. That's why they don't, that's why you can't find one, is because they're endangered because it's a delicacy. I know, they grind them up and stuff them in mushrooms. <laughs> Mongolian death worm stuffed mushroom. Uh huh. Mongolian mushroom. Mongolian death worm with mushroom cap. It looks real awkward, but you know it's edible. Now you think it's one of those like that one sushi that they make that you you have to prepare it in just a such a way so it doesn't kill you when you eat it. Oh, you talking about when they use a uh, what blowfish? The, yeah, the blowfish. Yeah, probably. I mean, I gotta skin it, flip it inside out. <laughs> rinse it a little bit and the way you know if your chef is really good is if there's just enough to where your lips get tingly when you eat it uh and you know it's a pro chef because he's only has like seven fingers because he <laughs> lost three while he was trying to figure out how to prepare it in, so acidic. in his apprenticeship he lost a couple fingers yeah they always use the pinky the next to the pinky and the middle finger because they still need their thumb and their index right so and they try to do it left-handed if they're right-handed, and vice versa. It's the other way. <laughs> Sounds like you've got that pretty much pegged down. I'm pretty sure I learned that from a Benihana chef. <laughs> did you? Did he? If oh, that'd be even better. Like if you went to one of the ones that have the hibachi girls, and they throw little uh-huh. like hunk, baby Mongolian deathworms at you. You have to open your mouth and catch them. 
I know, or while he's cooking and he's skirt, squirting and he's like uh, pulling it across the thing and then he takes that little boy that pees that they always use on stuff and he squirts that where it sizzles on the thing and then makes the little boy scream like he just got burnt from going in death worm acid. I think, uh, I think we have a new franchise idea here, Chad. I think we do too. The Mongolian death worm bar and grill. We'll call it Bonagogo. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, so, hey, Chad, if, if that ever becomes a reality, do you know where you could go to find out <laughs> where it's going to be opening and when? I bet you could go to Chris Sculpt's. Well, no, probably not. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're ever on Facebook or Instagram, that would be a cool one to look up. Yeah, check it out. There's this talented guy on there that sculpts all this stuff. Well. I don't know about talented, and I don't know about all this stuff, but okay. <laughs> oh, I mean, eventually. Well, yeah, you know, given time. I'm sure. I'm sure. But uh, you would actually probably want to go to paironormalguys.com, Chad. That's right. That's paironormalguys.com. Often imitated. Never duplicated. Amen. <laughs> That's right. But that's our main place that we house all the shows and occasionally try to put up other things other than shows, but, you know, we'll get better at that. <laughs> yeah, we'll try. Another place that you could find us is YouTube, which uh, here in another week or so, I'm going to have a whole heck of a lot of time to get that updated. Groovy. Exactly. And on YouTube, we have an ungodly long name that you could type in to find because YouTube likes to assign you the name that they want instead of one that you pick. So your best bet is to go to YouTube and just type in Pair O Normal Guys. Yep. And there'll be one one fake one on there with very little content. Right. Don't look at that one. If you, if you see like people out in the dark actually walking around looking for things, you can be assured that is not me and Chad. Exactly. <laughs> uh one of the best ways to find us, though, is to head on over to Facebook, and that's facebook.com slash pair-o-normal-guys. Mazel tov. Mazel tov. Because uh, Chad keeps that updated quite frequently frequently, with uh, unique little stories and stuff he finds here and there. I like to share. He does. Chad's a sharer. He's a pleaser. I am. Not a sunny. I'm a sharer. Wow. <laughs> and hey, while you're yeah yeah, <laughs> while you're on our Facebook page, head on over to the Facebook page of one Mister William Blanchard. He is the uh, gentleman that does the music for Pair O Normal Guys. Musical genius! Ha ha! <laughs> I was waiting for that. Uh, uh, and you can find him at Facebook.com/slash William Blanchard Soundtrack. Exactly. Check it out. And. Also, we have a hotline. We do. Uh, that number is... Oh, uh, <laughs> crap. That's crazy. We are nothing if not prepared. It is. It's uh, 812-406-4640. Are you sure? I think so. <laughs> Huh. <laughs> Pretty sure. Give it a call. If it's not us that answers, just say sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure that's it. I think we set it up for uh, an Indiana number when we were going to use it just for interviews. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. give it a call. Give see what call. happens. Yeah. I mean, 
That's all you got in life, right? That's Take right. Chance, roll the dice. Branch out. Eight Be- one. <laughs> Eight one two four zero six four six four zero. Meet some new people right now. That's right. In a way that's safe. Create a new phone pal. That's right. We don't have party lines anymore, but you can always make your own party. Exactly. Well, Chad, we will yes, hopefully by next show we will have something figured out to where you know it doesn't sound like standard AM radio phone interview. Yeah. Well, I mean. I could tell you about how to prepare if you want some food to store for over a year, or gold is the way to go. If you want to make sure that your money is sound and real. Could you tell us about the El Carnivora or whatever president? Yeah, Carnivora. What President, president Reagan, Reagan used? That, <laughs> he had that brought to the White House. And I tell you what, since I've been taking Carnivora, I go out and slaughter squirrels on the fence. <laughs> Because I'm that fast and that deadly now, just like a carnivore. You know, we sh- we should uh, consider setting up a West of the Rockies hotline. We could. <laughs> oh, oh, West of the Rockies. Just give them the same number. That's right, West of the Rockies. Anyway, first time caller. I feel bad for you. That's right. So, Chad, without you know going on much longer and dragging this out. <laughs> uh huh. Uh, everybody stay safe out there and have a pair of normal weeks. giant rats.